This I Work For Him podcast is brought to you by the Pocket Testament League. Visit ptl.org for practical resources and encouragement to help you share your faith. ptl.org. Welcome to I Work For Him as we broadcast you from Dallas, Texas, courtesy of the Christian Leadership Alliance, christianleadershipalliance.org. You know, just know, as you're listening, just know that we've prayed for you. We pray for you all the time. We pray for you by city. Tampa Bay, the greater Tampa Bay region from north of Ocala, how about south of Ocala to north of Fort Myers, all the way over to Disney, to Jacksonville in the First Coast area. And of course, we're praying for all of you in the Hampton Roads area of Virginia. But we want to let you know we're praying for you as you listen to the podcast and as you listen to the streaming and as this goes across the globe, you're prayed for because when we pray at the beginning of these shows, we're praying that the Holy Spirit will guide the conversation. That's right, Jim. And speaking of prayer, one of the other things that um, I just want our listeners to be aware of is that we actually have a prayer team that gets together virtually just through email. And um, this is an opportunity for you to say, yes, I want to be a part of the prayers of I Work For Him. And so if you go to our subscribe tab, there is an option there to um, subscribe for our our weekly email newsletter that has the blog and all of the last show's links. And it also has an option to join our prayer team. And what's been fun is that maybe like one out of every two people signing up for the blog are saying, I want to be part of the prayer team. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And there's a lot to pray about in this country. There's a lot to pray about in our workplaces, which is why we also ask people to join the I Work For Him Nation. That I Work For Him Nation is a pledge you make between you and God that says, I want to live with intentionality in my workplace Mm -hmm. by praying for those people I work alongside each and every day by name. Prayer. Prayer, 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 prayer. Prayer, care, share, lifestyle. That's what we're talking about. So we're also looking for people that will serve those they work alongside over and above what their job requires them to do. Looking for ways to befriend people outside of the workplace where real relationship and not networking happens, but real relationship happens. And of course, looking for ways to pray with people when you have the opportunity at work when people are just having a rough day, but all along being a person of excellence. That's right. Now, speaking of excellence, sometimes it doesn't matter how excellent we are. We still get in trouble with our words. And sometimes we don't get in trouble with our words. We get in trouble with our actions. And sometimes it's just because we're a Jesus follower that people don't like us. Well, today we're going to have a conversation with Tanya Shellnut about her about Alliance Defending Freedom. And Tanya, I apologize before the show started. I didn't ask you how to say your last name. So if I just said it wrong, I'm sorry. How do you, you really say it? You did a great job, Shellnut. I mean, it's so original. There's not very many people with that last name. There, there's not too many. <laughs> but I do want to, we, we just want to welcome Tanya to the I Work For Him radio program as we talk today about this alliance defending freedom and you can check them out online here's their website adfministryalliance.org tanya we always ask this question of every first time guest on i work for him how did you become a jesus follower yeah that's a a very profound question actually um i grew up in montana and i grew up in a in a Uh, My birth father abandoned my mother and I when I was six months old, and I grew up in a broken alcoholic home, and that lifestyle uh, uh, forced me to um, unfortunately operate out of a wounded um, and broken spirit. And so I was defined by my my wounds, and for many years um, engaged in a lifestyle that was very, very damaging. And uh, it wasn't until... um, 
later in life that um, I came to understand that I had a, a an alcohol problem, and I went to treatment, and I've been sober for 25 years. Awesome. Congratulations. Wow. And it's so, so often we grow up with that kind of woundedness until we actually have somebody that can help us walk through that woundedness. It just kind of, it, it kind of cloaks us. So growing up in that household, at what point in time did you see your faith turn into something real and then start impacting your work because you're 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 in this alcoholic lifestyle how did i mean did you go through what what did you go through a 12 step program what did you do to, to to recover absolutely i did i went to a a treatment facility my husband um uh, told me that i needed to get help for myself and i did and i actually came to know jesus christ through a radio station of all things. Uh, we had uh, moved to the Charlotte area, and my husband said, we're going to go to church. And I had never gone to church before, so I had no idea what we were doing. And um, I happened to be listening to a Christian radio station one day, 91.9, and excuse me, 90.9. And I called them, and I said, because um, we had visited churches, and mm -hmm. we just hadn't found one. And I called them, and I said, listen, I need to know where we can go to church. And the guy said, listen, I've never been asked that question before. I don't really know how to answer it. And he said, why don't you come to my church? And the pastor, um, Dr. Joe Brown, uh, Hickory Grove Baptist Church, gave an altar call, and my husband and I went forward and gave our lives to Christ and was baptized uh, together. So wow. <clears throat> that's how I came to know, to know Christ. And, um, of course, uh, that ties into um, spending the last 20 years working with um, young women from a mentor perspective, and my husband and I work in married adult ministry mm. uh, with marriages and strengthening families. And so... Uh, I used to be part of an organization called Concerned Women for America, a Bible-believing organization, and um, that work led me to Alliance Defending Freedom. And, of course, uh, we're about generational wins and um, uh, keeping the legal doors of the gospel open. And so for me, having had the upbringing that I have, making sure that we have the hope of Christ available for our future generations, I was just extremely passionate about it and the importance of leaving behind a legacy. Oh, that's so powerful. And you said so many things I wanted to stop along the way and I talk about. I took some about. notes so I didn't Did miss everything. Good, but yeah. good. So tell us about um, your connection with um, Christian Leadership Alliance. Sure. We are at the Outcomes Conference, um, Outcomes 19, hashtag Outcomes 19. Or for pound. The or pound, Outcomes 19, you know, if you're an old, old guy. school. <laughs> but, um, and so we are, you know, this is a collection place of mm -hmm. people that are living with intentionality. So what is your connection to the Christian Leadership Alliance? Sure. So Alliance Defending Freedom has had team members attending for over the past eight years and have a very strong history with the CALA. This is our first year as sponsorships in the Landmark Circle. And actually, this is my first year attending. So from speaking with my colleagues about their experience and looking through all that is available, there's just such a wealth of information mm -hmm. and resources available to them. Uh, and so that's our connection uh, with, with the CLA. Fabulous. Talk about, I mean, you have quite a background. And what I love the fact <laughs> is that you weren't a little kid that came to Christ. You 
had lived a desperate lifestyle, crying out for hope, and when you found out what was the answer to your hope, you and your husband embraced Christ together. Amen. How old were your kids? You, you have five kids, yes, as I sir. understand. How old were your kids when you guys became Jesus followers? They, we had an 18-month-old daughter at the time, and so they've got to be able to be a part. My husband also is a recovering alcoholic, uh, so he's 26 years into sobriety, so they got to grow up in a home where we loved Jesus mm. and, and saw the transformation power of Christ and what that relationship can do and hopefully stop uh, the generational cycle that can happen most often in alcoholic homes. Wow. That is amazing. And what a blessing, Um, just the timing. And I'm sure you've thought about that many times, that as you started a family, and there's something amazing about becoming parents and going, okay, I've been entrusted with this this human being, and what am I going to do with it? And that it kind of draws us to our creator as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's powerful, powerful. So the, I want to just, with the last couple of minutes of this segment, talk about, you said you've been, for 20 years, been mentoring young women. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about that, because I, I know we're here to talk about Alliance Defending Freedom, but if there's one thing that would solve a lot of issues in our country is if if chronologically superior people would invest in younger people sure, absolutely. And, and, and through mentoring and not mentoring where it's a weekly Bible study, but just investing your life in, in younger people. Talk to us about what you're doing. Sure. So the reality is, is that um, when I work with a lot of these women, they are lacking coping skills and it's not because their parents um, intended to um, not prepare them, but they don't have the, the, the just uh, natural or even logical coping skills to deal with life. And so being able to be there, um, to be hope, uh, having grown up in that brokenness and, and being hope to them and just offering them some encouragement and, and in and of itself is something that we need all around us. And so it would just spend time pouring into them um, so that the, and it doesn't require a lot of time. It's just somebody loving them and pointing them in a direction that says, your life matters. Mm-hmm. You matter. And, and helping prepare them for um, adulthood or whatever the Lord would have for them. Wow. You know, so, so tell me, like, what are you, um, you know, you don't need to go looking very far. Oh, Jim says, I don't have time to ask a question. So, right, tell them what you're going to ask for the next segment. <laughs> well, I just want to know, like, um, who these women are that you're feeding into and mentoring and what kinds of things you're seeing them be able to do once they, they know that they've got somebody on their side. Yeah, it's a really powerful conversation we're having today with Tanya Shellnut from Alliance Defending Freedom. And in the first segment, if you missed the first segment of the show, you got to go back. What a great story. Every day, you know, we ask our first-time guests, how did you become a follower of Jesus? This will rank up there as one of those stories. It's just really neat to hear the, the call from our Heavenly Father. Tanya, you and your husband, your, our Heavenly Father was chasing you, saying, mm-hmm. I want you, I want you, I want you. And you heard it, and you and your husband responded at the same time. That makes a great story. Yes, yes, absolutely. The Lord has been very good, and He's blessed us. And I and I'm I'm so thankful for my husband and his leadership and 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 leading me uh, in our family in that direction to mm. grow in Christ. That's so fabulous. So just to wrap up this part of the conversation about mentoring young women, and um, this is something that we want to inspire our listeners to just find somebody to do life with, shoulder to shoulder. Right. And there are so many. Um, people that are younger than us, that we can just show them a little bit of what God's been teaching us and walk life with them and encourage them along the way. So, you know, you you don't really need to go looking for Mm -hmm. people like that, do you? Where does God often um, help you intersect your life with women that need to be mentored? So my husband and I teach married adult ministry, and uh, that 
can happen right there. But additionally, uh, you know, my children have friends or, you know, siblings or whoever that just need somebody to love on them uh, and then breathe a little bit of word of hope into their their lives. And Mm -hmm. so from a personal perspective, that's what I do. Um, And I have the the blessing from a professional perspective with Alliance Defending Freedom to work on a daily basis with ministry leaders and and church denominational leaders and pastors uh, to just, again, um, be hope for them and know that somebody's out there and has their back. And it seems to me that God's probably given you the gift of encouragement. That's something that you've probably been told before. Yes. So tell us then, let's move into um, this whole uh, Alliance Defending Freedom. What are they all about? And help our listeners, they may have heard it before, but not really know what that means. Sure. So we exist to keep the legal doors of the gospel open. We're the nation's largest Christian legal organization. Uh, We want people to freely live out their faith. And obviously, based on my my background and, and my relationship or my upbringing, I'm very passionate about the work that I do Mm -hmm. because we are so focused on generational wins and making sure uh, that we keep the legal doors open for for the future generations. Oh, that's a lot to think about. All right, so I want, I want, give me the practical. Tell me some stories. I mean, Alliance Defending for me, you hear about it all the time. I mean, in Christian circles, it is the name mentioned most in the fight against the attacks on religious liberty. So why don't you talk about what, what are the biggest things that you guys end up fighting against or defending, Alliance Defending Freedom? What are some of the biggest things you, you, you end up defending? Give us, give us some big sub, uh, subtopics. So... We have three core issues that we work on. Religious freedom, uh, marriage between a man and a woman, and the sanctity of life. Those are three areas that we focus on. And we, we um, funnel those through, again, a generational wins. What does that uh, mean, generational wins? Right. So at the end of the day, um, we need to make sure that our future generations have the hope of the gospel available to them. And we're in a culture that's becoming increasingly hostile uh, to Christians. And so we want to make sure that uh, we're protecting religious freedoms uh, for ministries and churches and people of faith to freely live those out so that we can be the hope of Christ for our future generations so that they can carry on that torch. So not just solving a problem, but making sure that it's a it's going to hold the test of time That's a little bit more, so that it you know because I th- I would think that there's a lot of short term wins that could be yes. out there, but what you're saying is we want this to to have sticking power. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right, Martha. All right. So you're defending religious freedom, issues attacking religious freedom, marriage between a man and a woman, and sanctity of life. Now, in the news, in the last, if you're listening to conservative news sites, we're seeing a lot of wins in the sanctity of life area. Mm -hmm. In the last several months, we've seen a lot of wins. We've seen also some Mm -hmm. major losses. You know, New York lighting up the Eiffel Tower pink in favor of killing birthed children. I mean, you know, just unbelievably, almost unthinkable things, but they're happening. Talk to us about, you know, I don't know where you could go with this because I know you can't tell us about current cases because you, you have to, you know, protect the innocent and the stuff hasn't been tried. But give us a, give us an idea of, of lawsuits of defending of, of the 
um, Sanctity of Life, some lawsuits, lawsuits you guys have been involved in. Sure. So I want to be really clear because I'm not an attorney, so I can't speak directly to the cases. But what I can speak to, which I think is actually probably more important, is the court of public opinion. That is where we need to do a lot of our wins, is making sure that we can message in the court of public opinion. And what we have found, especially with um, the abortion issue, it is, it is such a, a controversial issue. But the reality is, is that many people don't understand all the aspects of it. They don't understand that the post-abortive women, um, that the guilt and the shame that they carry with them, yes, we want to win those cases, and yes, we want to make sure that we put protections in place, but the larger, broader issue is the court of public opinion. And teaching... um, people of faith, how to speak to that with a redemptive message that says, Mm. not only do we love life, but we love the woman who has chosen to have that abortion. We love the man who has also been involved in that. And and that's really where we need to be focusing a lot of our wins. Yes, we're winning cases. Yes, we're focusing on that. But when it comes to the court of public opinion, being able to uh, communicate that redemptive message, that is the most important issue. And that's so powerful. So how do we, um, how how do you help people with that um, vocabulary? How do you help them to to address it in a redemptive way and to just show the love that we we know deep down that's the right thing, but boy, it's not. We're not seeing it modeled as much as we are the anger. Right. Exactly. And that's one of the the judgment. In the judgment. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why, um, in addition to all of the legal um, uh, questions that have been coming up for pastors and churches and ministries, uh, that's why we created the Church Alliance and the Ministry Alliance. Not just specifically for that, but for to put protections in place for churches and ministries to live um, emboldened and, and live in truth. Because we know that it wasn't half-truths that set me free and my husband mm-hmm. free. It was the whole truth. Mm-hmm. And so being able to... Um, <laughs> Um, empower pastors to to speak truth from the pulpit with that redemptive message. Being able to um, protect ministries so that they can operate according to which God has called them to um, in a way that um, changes the the court of public opinion. So give us some examples of churches that get that, who are really, they're, they're embracing women who are wounded from an abortion, whether it's physically or mentally, right. certainly spiritually, spiritually. Uh, and then um, of people who have, you got people that are supporting the abortion movement. I mean, how, do, how give us some examples of churches that get this, that we need to love the, the women that are struggling, that are suffering from this, uh, from uh, the, the abortion issue. Sure. So I'm, I, I can't specifically uh, name a church off the top of my head. I mean, I, I guess I could use my church, but the reality is, is that you, you look at your church and you see what your outreach ministries are. You see what that church is doing. Um, and, and anywhere you go, the most important thing is that there is a level of authenticity and love. When we came down to South Carolina and we're looking for a church, we had moved from Montana, that was the one thing that we were looking for was a church that exemplified authenticity and love. Because if you can take those two components and go out into um, uh, the, the public square, wherever it is, uh, people 
people see right through that. So you have to be able to demonstrate that. So if you have that in your ministries, you're doing some really healthy stuff. And that's really what it is. So use your church as an example. What are some of the things you guys are doing to proactively reach out to women who are hurting from abortions, past or present? Because the statistics from Barna show that the numbers are somewhat north of 40 to 50% of the women in the congregations are struggling and that larger than that, people being impacted within a congregation. Well, it comes back down to collaboration and networking. Another reason why we're here is to, you know, you work with the pregnancy resource centers. You determine um, who can you partner with in your community uh, that is, um, uh, has a strong message and a strong uh, program that is helping those women. And then you divert, or not divert, but you ex- put some of those resources over there. So we reach out to those pregnancy resources locally and partner with them, whether we offer mentoring uh, or just inviting them to come to church with us, come to our events, the children's Mm -hmm. ministry, all of that. So finding somebody who's doing it well and walking alongside of them. Because um, one of the things, we talk about that all the time, Jim, not reinventing the wheel. Absolutely, no. You know, God has called them to do something very specifically, but let's celebrate that and let's utilize those resources right. and lift them up and walk together with them in it. That's right. And it's all about having that kingdom focus. If we come together for the bigger picture, for the bigger cause, which is the kingdom, not that so-and-so is doing this or so-and-so is doing that. No, no, no. It's mm-hmm. about the kingdom mm-hmm. and making sure we come together to use our gifts from each group, each church, each organization to expand the kingdom. Yeah. That's what we're called to do. So Tanya Shelnut is here representing the Alliance Defending Freedom. She's one of the regional alliance directors, one of four in the country. Tanya asked this question right before the break. Are Christians causing some of their own legal issues? Yeah, so in my experience, I I would have to say that they don't understand maybe the complexities of the law. And so uh, they're focused on, you know, sharing the gospel and their calling, and they just don't understand the complexity of that. (laughs) I think that would probably be the real reason um, that, that they're not necessarily causing uh, their own legals. They don't understand it. See, what I think is amazing is that you said you're not an attorney, yet you talk like a politician. <laughs> so, because uh, I'm not That's sure. She's well trained. I'm not sure you I answered my question. I, I mean, the question was, are Christians causing some of their own legal issues? Here, and the answer is, I, yes, I they are. A, I have a feeling that Jim was expecting it to go something like this. Okay. Well, we all live in the flesh, and we're all <laughs> sinful, so yes, we probably let our pride get in the way sometimes, or get hot-headed. Let if me... you'd like to vote for Tanya, she's running for local <laughs> Congress office in Charlotte, North, North Carolina. Is that where you are still today? Uh, yes, sir. Okay, she's running for political office there. Uh, House District something, something. Okay, all right. Okay, well, seriously. Well, how about this? Why don't I tell you a story about an yeah, Why don't you try to recover redeem yourself? yourself here? <laughs> Tell us a story. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a story about a, a, an individual that we've defended and that a lot of your listeners might be familiar with. Um, Jack Phillips is a cake artist from Colorado who was um, sued for not creating a wedding, a custom wedding cake. And what we, we always want our, our listeners and in in our court of public opinion to hear that Jack serves all people but not all messages. Mm-hmm. And it was a case that we had to take to the Supreme Court and we actually want it um, on a seven to two vote. And all Americans have the First Amendment right to speak and peacefully live out uh, their faith. And we want to make sure that we're working to to uphold that. And we were very thankful um, that, that the Supreme Court saw that and that Jack, who is just precious, the most humble 
um, servant that you will ever see displayed courage um, in, in, in all of that. So that's the Colorado Baker, right? Yes, sir. Okay, and so they, and to have a seven and two ruling at yes. the Supreme Court means that some judges who wouldn't be described as conservative still ruled in his favor because it was the constitutionality, constitution was speaking to it. Now, right after that event, that suit went to the Supreme Court, not being an attorney, but knowing, you know, having you know, a, a hand on current events, they came back at him, the activists came back at him with swing number two. They did. And again, God is very, very good. And he delivered Jack from that as well. He was um, um, sued for not creating um, a custom wedding cake that celebrated a gender transition. And so they came back at him. And uh, thankfully, uh, about a month ago, they they dropped the case. But but what we have here is, is Jack Phillips, who lost you know 40% of his business and has had to endure this for years. And I think, you know, to tie it back to your question about our, our uh, you know, Christians creating their own legal challenges, I would say it's just, again, they don't understand the complexities of the law and that that there's such an, an uh, over effort to try and um, uh, be hostile to Christians. And what we need to display is a spirit of courage. Uh, and, and that's exactly what Jack did. He displayed a spirit of courage. And I really just, we're so thankful for mm. his um, ability That's to so stand. That's so great that you, that there is someone like that. You know what, his um, his heart, when it can come through right. in the moment. Um, I was just thinking about this, you know, we were talking about the sanctity of life. And a couple weeks ago, um, when the movie Unplanned mm-hmm. came out, I was in a crowd of people where there was a woman who was very passionate. We got to see it. We've interviewed one of the producers and, you know, uh, it is ve- it. There's a lot of emotion behind that yes. conversation mm-hmm. on every every spectrum of it. But this woman that I was in the room with, she was almost angry, telling people they needed to go see the movie. Right. And I knew what I was seeing was her just having so much emotion, telling people, you know, you've got to go see this because it's it's got such a an amazing message. But she was not being loving and gentle about it. She was being very abrasive. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's part of this conversation too, is how do we live out our life in such a way that like Jack Phillips, that, you know, his character was seen throughout it all. Yeah, absolutely. The reality is, is that living out our faith exists beyond the four walls of the church mm-hmm. um, and our homes. And <laughs> Amen to that yes. one, and, 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 and our Christian faith should guide how we interact every single day. Yes, it um, should. Courage inspires others. And if we don't display um, a spirit of courage, look, the victory's done. It's won. We're, we're, we should walk in victory. And that doesn't mean that we're going to have challenges and, and hardships. Uh, but the reality is, is that um, if we can inspire somebody or we can encourage somebody um, to live a changed life or to stand up for their faith, then God calls us to that. It's not optional for us to say, mm, I don't really want to do that. And I think that that's where Jack was. He just um, um, has just exemplified that spirit of courage. Well, when I asked that question, do Christians cause some of their own legal issues? I wasn't thinking about Jack the Baker because he was living according to yeah, his yeah, faith. Yeah, absolutely. No, uh, but, he, but I he's think definitely that not one. As, as a movement of Christ in this country, we've caused a lot of the legal issues, of the attacks today, certainly sanctity of life, religious freedom, and marital freedom because of 
the judgment that's come out of our mouths sure. instead of the love. And that's really where I was going. And I'm not saying that I haven't done some of those, right. said some of those stupid things, but you know, as our country is hurting right. and they're lashing out at the one organization that can bring them healing, and that's right. Christianity. Jesus right. is the answer to all of the questions they're asking, right. and they're in such pain. Right. And so they're lashing out in pain Right. And we're and really it's just a cry for pain. Like you when you were an alcoholic, you were crying over pain and your husband said, Hey, yeah. you need to go get help. Yeah, well you could really contrast, right? You you ask the question, are are Christians causing their only some of their legal issues? And then you could contrast Jack. Jack exemplified courage and humility and how to speak to the, the difficulties of the day. And then you have some of the Christians um, and it's and again, it's not because they mean to. It's because they just don't know uh, what they don't know, and they have a difficult time articulating their story. We don't do a very good job telling our story. Why are we a Christ follower? Why? And 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 there's not a whole lot of grace there. So um, Jack is a is the epitome of what that should look like versus those that do not how to do not know how to communicate. Um, that redemptive message. You know, we're here in Dallas, Texas, courtesy of the Christian Leadership Alliance. It's an alliance of non-Christ-centered nonprofits from around the country and around the world, all committed to excellence and doing the business of the ministry in an excellent way. As we talked today with Tanya Shelnut from Alliance Defending Freedom, Tanya, there's got to be some specific issues that nonprofits should be aware of. Because I know one thing that we're, you're hearing in the rumble, constant rumble, is, is sexual activism and, and the attacks on nonprofits for standing up for what the Bible says is true. Talk to, us, talk to the nonprofits of the world, because the people listening to the show are either involved in nonprofits, they serve as a volunteer in a nonprofit, they give money to a nonprofit. So the nonprofits that they dearly love, they're under attack. What do they do? Sure. So that's the reality. Most often, human nature is to respond when the crisis occurs, mm -hmm. right? So we're, we're wanting to get out and, and, and teach and equip ministries and churches to be proactive and put measures in place that protect them. So looking at uh, the statement of faith, their governing documents, making sure that accurate verbiage is in those to make sure that there's protections because the court of law is looking at your, court, your, your documents to see what you exactly believe. So making sure that it's clear. Um, and that's where why the ministry and the Church Alliance was created, so that we can take a look at those documents for them. And so that the pastors, the faith leaders, the ministry leaders, they can focus on um, uh, the, the uh, making sure that the calling that God's called them to do. So, so you're saying that there's actually kind of two. There's the Alliance Defending Freedom, and then there's the Church and Ministry Alliance. So Alliance Defending Freedom has many components to mm -hmm. the organization as a whole. We have our legal advocacy side, and, and, and the ministry and then the Church Alliance is a new portion of Alliance Defending Freedom. And so that's, um, it's all, we're all still one, sure. but we have different arms that we okay. use. So you said, um, you know, having a, an organization look at those things. Are you, do you have resources to help them to do that? We or do. Okay, yes, tell us about yes, that and how they can participate. Absolutely. And so, again, that's the Ministry Alliance. We have the Ministry Alliance and the Church Alliance. So ADFMinistryAlliance.org. Yes. Okay. Yes, sir. That is it. And we have um, a membership program for 
the ministries and the churches to, to come on board. And we have religious liberty attorneys who will look those documents over, who will be there um, if they have any questions. They have direct access to the attorneys that they can call on any time. Mm-hmm. There's no, you know, five-year out. You can call. We have um, <laughs> pro bono representation. I'll to give you a story. There's a church in Redeemer. Are you going to tell a little story? You're going to mention any story, I know. I know. You're so excited about this. So um, my family and I were um, vacationing for spring break in Edisto Island, South Carolina last year. And we were there over Easter. So we went to the Civic Center where they were having uh, a worship service because, you know, we weren't really sure where to go. So we went to the Civic Center and uh, attended service. And, you know, when you bring family of seven in, like you multiply the, the population at the church in like two seconds, they mm-hmm. love you instantly. <laughs> and so um, about a month later, I got a call and I was uh, one of the attorneys said, hey, you need to call on this church in Edisto Island. And I'm like, well, I was just there. Sure. So I called them. Well, it turns out it was the church that my family and I attended on Easter Sunday. And what happened was that the church was a church plant and they were renting the town um, civic center and they had submitted uh, a renewal request and the city amended its uh, facility use guidelines to ban all rentals for religious worship services. And so uh, we uh, took up their case and we went to court on their behalf and the city changed their policy and the religious uh, uh, people can now go into back into the Civic Center. Tanya Shelnut is here joining us from the Alliance Defending Freedom, and it's all about Jesus followers and organizations being proactive in preventing mistakes that cause us to get sued while we're out there trying to love the public. And a lot of times we just stumble as we love the public, but today Tanya's going to tell us how to love the public without stepping all over ourselves. Right. You know, so what we, I love the fact that um, we're talking about what can we do to set ourselves up for success. Yes. Not waiting for somebody to look for an opportunity that we fail, but um, so, and not having those gaps and things like that. So tell us some things very practically that um, our listeners, our um, our audience can take away and say, okay, this is something I need to look into right. to um, to shore up this nonprofit that I'm involved in and um, making sure that we just don't have any of those gaps. Absolutely. So the most important thing is what you alluded to. We need to make sure that we're on the offense. We're not playing defense uh, because the reality is, again, we often operate when the crisis occurs. And at Alliance Defending Freedom, we want to make sure that we set ministries up and churches up to succeed because in the court of law, law the, the, when legal precedence is set, it doesn't care the size of your ministry. You can be a very large ministry with many resources or a small ministry with limited resources. And we want to make sure that even the small ministry can protect himself and so, or, or itself. So we want to make sure that ministry leaders and pastors have the ability to freely live out their faith, that they can operate according to what God has called them to. And so when legal questions or concerns arise, because we are in a day and age where anybody can be sued. That's where we're at. And so we want to make sure that protections are in place. So we, again, we're going to look at your governing documents. We're going to look at your statement of faith. We're going to look at um, and make sure that um, uh, your facility usage, we're finding that ministries and churches are being marginalized out of communities. And so what they'll, fi- they'll do is instead of opening their doors to, to communities, they'll just say, well, I'm not going to let anybody in to the outside groups. We're not going to let anybody in because it's 
it's easier to do that mm. way. Well, we don't want that. We want to make sure that you're empowered to reach out to your well, community. That was just, that was the most powerful thing you've said so far. <laughs> and, and, not, and that was not, no, I'm, I don't take offense to what I'm saying. I mean, because that's what, <laughs> okay, I did not mean to. Never mind that Jesus like saved me from a destructive okay, lifestyle. Uh, okay. I'm not talking but about by golly, that's it. All no, right. What I'm saying <laughs> is that a lot of, a lot of churches have retreated behind yes. their walls out of panic and out of fear and saying, well, we don't want to get sued and we don't want to host a, 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 a gay or lesbian wedding, so we're just going to not let anybody in. That's correct. And, and so that, re- which is a disaster because the church is supposed to be the, the, the lifeblood of the community. The That's church correct. is supposed to be the, the healing balm to the community. That's right. So how do they do this? How do they protect their ability to uphold biblical standards but not spit on the community and not withdraw from the community and therefore become irrelevant to the community. That's where we come into play. The Church Alliance and the Ministry Alliance, making sure that our religious liberty attorneys look through the governing documents. You have a facility usage policy in place that allows you to be empowered and emboldened to go out into that community and do what the Lord's called you to. But it has to have that first step, that action step. So instead of churches saying, nope, we're going to hide, we need them to say, okay, this matters. This matters so much that we're willing to be a part of something bigger because we want to reach our community. So what, what, I was well, say, what does I, it look like? I remember, though, being in an organization right when the whole um, bathroom situation was up, you know, with whether it's, um, you know, who can use the women's bathroom, who can use the men's bathroom, and the panic and the fear of that organization of like, you know, if we don't do this right, right. what's yeah. going to end up happening? Well, we have a story about that. We okay. have a hope center Are you willing to share in that Alaska. story? I'm only going to share it with with this sweet little lady over here. <laughs> so you can listen in, Jim. Yeah, go We're going to have a conversation. Uh, um, we have a, the Hope Center in Alaska, and, and that particular issue has come up here. You have um, a women's shelter, very vulnerable women who've been wounded at the hands mm-hmm. of men um, who uh, go to this place for refuge and, and security. And because of a local um, uh, uh, non-discrimination ordinance, they have to... Um, uh, been told they have to allow men to come into their shelter and, and a man came in and instead they took him to a, um, a rescue center and, and they, they got in trouble for that. And so Alliance Defending Freedom has come in to try to protect uh, the integrity of making sure that women and children are protected um, from those who, um, from those dangerous laws that are, are mm. being put forth. There you go. That was a that was a. But you she know, only told you, Martha, life. so I didn't hear any of it. I want to make sure that we. I mean, let's talk about. We need to love our communities. Yes. And, and you're trying to help nonprofit organizations, churches, to love the communities, yes. but do it in a way that protects the sanctity of what our heavenly Father wrote down yes. over a period of 1,500 years through 40 plus authors, 66 books, and, and in three different countries. I mean, the scriptures that we that That's we right. read each and every day, the, the message, the letter from our Father. How, do, do you often, have you ever had those conversations with those ministry leaders where you're like, you know, you're a knucklehead. Yeah. Um, this, I mean, we just need to reset. You yeah, caused absolutely. this issue yourself. 
Yeah, there are. We're, there's definitely knuckleheads out there, and that's another great component of the work that we do. We offer media training, uh, communications training to pastors and ministry leaders so that we can teach them how to articulate that redemptive message, but yet put protections in place for, for uh, churches and ministries. Because, again, we want to tell our story. We want to tell the story of the hope of Jesus Christ and the mm -hmm. life-changing power of that. We want ministries to be able to go into communities and, and make such a, an impact for the kingdom. But if they're going in there and they're being knuckleheads, it's not always because they mean to, Jim. They don't know. Right. And they, and, it's and an ignorance. It thing. is. And some of them choose not to know. And then some just don't know. And so we want to make it easier for them to give them the resources that, that we have so that they can do the work that God's called them to. So direct people to your website and tell them what they're going to find there because we really need to give them the opportunity yes. to find those resources. Yes. So you can go to www.adfministryalliance.org and there's a, a, a wealth of information on that website for them to look for. Uh, and then if, if they have any questions, they can reach out to me uh, and or on that website and we will get them connected with the Regional Alliance Director to come speak to their, their elder board, their ministry, their uh, any, any of their leadership that they need us to come to, that's the work that we do. We come in and we educate them on what we're doing. We've focused on a lot of glass half empty stuff, and that's because I'm on the show, and I tend to look at that kind of stuff that way. But let's talk glass half full, yes. because we're making some real progress. I mean, you just mentioned it earlier, Jack the Baker got a seven to two Supreme Court right. ruling. Right. That was an act of God. That's right. Now is not the time for us to retreat as Christians. Again, I stated earlier, courage inspires other, others. Nehemiah 4.14 tells us that we're to fight for our homes, our families, our brothers, our sisters, our wives, our daughters. Look, now is not the time to put our heads under uh, the rug and say, oh, this, because we've been so complacent. We have been the church of Laodicea, lukewarm, and we can no longer afford to do that. If we're going mm -hmm. to have generational wins and we're going to um, preserve a legacy for the next generation, we have to rise up and we have to put proactive measures in place and be good stewards of what God gave us. This is not our gift. This is his gift to us, and we we must steward that in a way where those generational wins happen. I would vote for Amen. you. I would vote for you. <laughs> you, you have know, both really, of our votes. And really, but what you said earlier, be on the offense, but I think what you didn't say was, but don't be offensive. Right. Because, because there's a big difference. Uh, we need to be on the offense, but not be offensive. That's correct. And too often, Jesus said, don't judge others lest you be judged. He said, don't worry about this speck of sawdust in your brother's eye when you got a telephone pole coming out of your own. At the same token, we have to tell the whole truth because if we give half-truths, we're doing what do you mean? nobody Give me an example of a, of a half-truth that gets promoted all the time. To, to talk about, um, uh, let's just talk about the LGBT lifestyle, okay? Look, I've lived in the world. I've lived in a life of destruction. The world's way does not offer hope. It may offer what you think is a temporary um, uh, uh, fix or a temporary um, high, if you will. Mm -hmm. but, when, but, but the reality is, is that whether you engage in a, in a, a, a homosexual lifestyle, whether you engage in alcohol or drugs, whether you engage in any kind of, of destructive behavior, there's no hope in it. 
And at the end of the road, it's broken. And, and there's a reason why suicide rates are high. So, so Absolutely. if we don't tell the truth in a loving way, and if we don't offer them the hope of Christ, 100%, we're not helping anybody. I wouldn't be sober today if someone wouldn't have called me flat out for my negative well, behavior. Well, and we lived out that the people you know, living in a heterosexual lifestyle but are living outside of, doing that outside of marriage, the people that are in an adulterous lifestyle, there's so many different things where people are, right. they think it brings satisfaction, but it really breeds destruction. Right. Tanya Shelnut, we're out of time. I appreciate you actually just sharing so much about Alliance Defending Freedom. Check her out online, adfministryalliance.org, adfministryalliance.org. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you. All this made possible by the Christian Leadership Alliance. Check them out online, Christian Leadership Alliance. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him. And vote for me. <laughs>